Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Church. Today we have a time of fellowship following the service, so please join us. And also we will be doing our Good News Tuesday, Tuesday night. And this week we kick off uh, week 36 for March 4th Bible reading plan. We have the new bookmarks out on the table, so make sure you grab your new bookmark this week. They're out there where they normally are on the white lace tablecloth table in the lower left-hand corner. If you don't know where that is. And also... If, uh, if you guys, too, have noticed that there hasn't been any videos on Facebook for March 4th and you missed that, uh, I apologize. Let me know, though, but um, I've been producing other videos. <laughs> so you can only produce so many videos in a week. And I was, you know, promoting other people. <laughs> so... And also, Operation Christmas Child, if you weren't here last week, we were able to pack 102 boxes. So thank you, everyone who gave. Those will be going out in the next couple of weeks. So if you've packed any of your own that you plan on having shipped, we need you to bring your boxes in next Sunday as the, at the latest because those will be going out. So if you packed, packed a box that you plan on shipping with these, you need to have them here by next Sunday. And make sure you got your nine bucks with it for the shipping. Right. Correct. If you packed your own box and you wanted your own stuff. Correct. Yeah. Make sure your money's in there for shipping. Go ahead, Linda, with the last one. Hello, my name is Melissa, and this is my husband, Jeff. We're here to help feed the hungry. This year, through the month of November, we are trying to get eight Thanksgiving baskets ready for families. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will open to you. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. For when you saw me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Matthew 25, 35. We would like to provide for families with children with, and also with the elderly. Items you can bring in are turkeys, stuffing, gravy, uh, bread, vegetables, anything that you would think would help with a Thanksgiving meal. We're looking to collect all the items that are needed through the month of November for the 3rd, 10th, and 17th. You can bring everything here at Grace Point Church in Glass Bay, New York, and we do have a freezer for all turkeys. We would like to thank everybody for helping us feeding the hungry by your contributions. Hey, Pastor Don here. Thank you for choosing Grace Point Church this morning. We are so happy and pleased that you are here. You are welcome here. I pray that all your needs will be met today. God bless you. Yeah. So when you see the disclaimer on the end of the video about the music, legally it has to be there. If we didn't contact the people who wrote that song um, and get their permission to use it, then you have to say that you didn't get the permission to use it. Because otherwise, Facebook won't let you play it and they'll shut your video down. So.
And today we want to shout it from the mountaintops that you are good,
the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in control of all media and other things. Yes. Every week we put a vote on Facebook. What song do you want to carry over from last week? This week, Raise a Hallelujah won the vote. So let's pray. And we'll start Raise a Hallelujah to Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you. Because you first loved us. The lives that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We desire to come into your presence and know you more and more and more. We want to see your glory fill our lives. We want to see the fruits of your spirit fill our homes, our hearts, our cities. We want to see this world changed. In every place that there's a believer that your light would shine in that darkness. Overcome evil with good. And in this place today, we put our eyes on you. We put our hearts on you. We put our thoughts on you. In heaven, our praise is today, Father. Our usher to come forward today and take our offering and tithes. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you provide for us. Lord God, you provide for each individual, for each family. Lord God, as we praise you, you inhabit the praises of your people. So, Lord God, we praise you today. May we praise you with returning, Lord God, that tenth or tithe that you have called us to. Lord God, may we lay our hands off from it and give it back unto you, trusting and believing by your word that you will open up the floodgates of blessings, that we cannot contain it. So Lord God, I pray for that blessing. I pray, uh, Lord God, that you would bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, your mercy. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you have given us the name of Jesus, a name above all names, with all authority. Lord God, you have given us the authority to go forth, to proclaim the good news. Lord, we proclaim the good news today that you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Lord God, in the midst of the storm, we can rejoice. In the midst of the storm, we can cry out to the name of Jesus and the storm will be calm. Heavenly Father, in the face of the enemy, we can cry out to the name of Jesus. For Lord God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have called us sons and daughters. You have prepared a place for us. You're coming to get us. And Lord God, we thank you for the victory in Jesus' name. Victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and our word and our testimony. And God, may it never be said that we loved our lives more than we loved you and want to walk in obedience to you and your word.
I'd like to thank everyone today, and I'm sure I'm speaking for David and Heather, and they can speak for themselves probably as he'll be preaching today, um, for the gifts and the showers of gifts that, that we had received for pastor's appreciation. We're overwhelmed at the generosity of you people, uh, of, your, um, of your generous gifts and cards and recognition and all these things that we don't deserve, but... but uh, but God has called us too. But yet, uh, that you would recognize that and bless us. We are just blessed and overwhelmed. So I thank you, each and every one of you, uh, from the bottom of our hearts. And, and uh, like I say, it's overwhelming and it's humbling. Uh, but it, you, are, you are a great blessing to us. As well, uh, we sang the words... In the middle of the storm. We'll sing in the middle of the storm. And I just want to, I'm not going to preach today. I just want to remind you that, that there are many types of storms. There's sickness, yes. there are troubles, there's, there's those things that bring us in uh, to hurt, uh, hurtful things that happen. But in the midst of those storms, as we sing praises to God, it's a reminder to us of who God is and who we are in Him. But all, not only that, it is a reminder of the power of our God to bring us through the hardest of storms. Even in death and in sickness, God is over those. He rose from the dead and, and He's the first fruits. And as we see death come, it can be very depressing and heartbreaking for us. But remember to those who know the Lord, it is a time of great rejoicing and celebration. And, and the pain and the sorrow of this earth is gone, but yet the joy of the Lord is with them. And So today uh, we are blessed, or I am blessed, and and that I'll not be preaching today. I don't know if that's a blessing or not. It's almost a curse to someone who preaches. Uh, so here I am. I've given my five-minute preaching. Uh, but uh, Pastor Dave will be preaching. And I tell you that we are blessed here as Pastor Dave and Heather and Justin. And we have Pastor Chuck. We have so many that have been called into ministry that, that I feel the necessary. Uh, it, it is necessary to allow them to share the pulpit because God speaks to them. Uh, it speaks in, in, uh, to them and, and through them. So it is so important, not only that they get that time, uh, but they also uh, get to express what God is speaking to them. So today, uh, Pastor Dave will be speaking. and So let's give him a hand, guys. Praise the Lord. Sister Wendy uh, passed a card to me right before I came up here. I said, thanks for trying to make me cry before I come up here. <laughs> it's hard enough when you're sharing something that you're passionate about, you know, to keep your emotions under control. I feel like, man, it's like a triangle. Like, like I got to shout over here. <laughs> it feels kind of weird. Oh, God is good. I told Pastor I was going to try something today. If I say, do you know how good God is? You guys say, how good is he? Let's try it. Do you know how good God is? How good is he? There you go. That's a, that's a good start for what we're doing today. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Luke chapter 13. It's in the New Testament. Four, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book. Luke chapter 13, 
verse 6. Just had to take a class the last month and passed a test, praise God, um, about the, how we got the New Testament. And just so you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the letters of the New Testament, everything that's written in the Bible is the written testimony of people who saw with their eyes, heard with their ears, touched with their hands in some cases, the Lord Jesus, but certainly touched with their hands in all cases, the work of God going on in their day in their time and the things that they did. I told pastor what I really want to do is I want to get out this book right here and I want to just testify of the good things that I've seen God do. Do you know how good God is? How good is God? If I shared with you everything written in this book concerning what I've seen with my own eyes and heard with my own ears from you guys, it, two minutes per story, just two, since January 1st of this year, it would take me eight hours. So I can't do that, and aren't you thankful? <laughs> or we'd be here till nine o'clock tonight, and that wouldn't go good. But what I wanted to share was just put some perspective on the things that God has done here. And as I was praying about, you know, God, you know, what, what passage do you want me to share as well? Um, this is where I ended up, Luke chapter 13. We're in March 4th, uh, week 35, Luke 12 and 13, we just read. And I was reading 13, and this is where I got. So I'll, I'll read it, starting with verse 6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there just hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taken up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, Give it one more chance. Leave it another year. I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. And if not, then you can cut it down. When I read this passage, like all these questions went through my mind. Like, why did the gardener plead for the tree? Why did the master not correct the gardener? Who are you to tell me? I pay you. Remember, in this relationship, I'm the master. Because when you look at different translations, it says master and gardener. Why is the end of the story missing? <laughs> it stops right there. It goes on to something else. Does that bother anybody? It bothers me. And how does this apply to me? I don't want to spend more than 10 minutes on this because I really want to get into the, the really, really, really cool stuff that God has done here in this last year. When I look at this story, I see God as the master. 
I see Jesus as the gardener. Initially, it has a very direct application in its time period to Israel being the tree. Because you'll remember when we read the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, in the very beginning when John the Baptist came out, he was standing in the River Jordan baptizing people, and he yelled to the people that led Israel at that time. This was 2,000 years ago, give or take. He said, you people, this is your warning. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. Did you know that all through the Old Testament, God talks about people and nations being like trees? Psalm 1, the major prophets. Lots of stuff going on in there. But in this case, if, let's just be conservative here, if the earth was only 6,000 years old and before Jesus there was only 4,000 years, and if you look at that and you say, huh, you watch the, the birth in Genesis of the kingdom of God and you follow it all the way through the Old Testament as, as it becomes the nation of Israel and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. All through that time frame, you watch a people that God is trying to have relationship with and he establishes it with some. But the overarching thing is we all fall short. And no matter how much mercy God pours out on the nation of Israel as it's developing, they just keep wandering away from God in their hearts. And finally he gets to the place when Jesus comes and he says, the axe is at the root of the tree. I see God as the master in the story. Here's some reasons why. He owned the orchard, the tree, and the gardener. <laughs> if he's like a slave. And he spoke with authority. He comes in and he says, what? This tree's been taking up too much space. Cut it down. Something popped into my head when I was thinking about this. Two things, I'll just throw them out there and you can kind of file it. It might be, it might be something God's speaking to you. Even if God lays the axe to the root of a tree, you can prove from Scripture that when that tree is picked up and tossed out, it can still bud and bear fruit happened to Aaron's rod in the Old Testament. In Romans, the Apostle Paul said, hey, God has an olive tree. It's like his whole kingdom. The Jews are getting broken off so that the Gentiles can be put back in. But if the Gentiles misbehave, they can be broken off and the Jews can be put back in. Now, I don't want to confuse anybody. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying that I look at God as the master in this story. He owns the orchard. He owns the tree. And he speaks with authority. What he says goes. And so I wanted to say, if you, if you get cut off and you get tossed out, there's still hope. You know why? Because if we're still breathing, God obviously hasn't finished with us yet. Amen. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? amen? You know how good God is? If he decides he's going to lay the axe to the root of your tree, but you're still here breathing... There's still opportunity for that to change. Can I get an amen? amen? 
You can come to Jesus. That's what Jesus told everybody. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Take a look at where you're at. Take a look at where God is at. Look at your direction. Look at his. Look at your direction. Look at his. And do what you have to do to turn it around. Put your faith in Jesus. The other thing I wanted to say was, there was a couple places in the New Testament where, actually one in particular, where somebody said something about the law. Jesus asked somebody about the law, and he said, how do you read it? And I thought, that's an odd thing to say. But that could mean a lot of different things. I was reading this story, and you know, the voice, listening to the Bible online, like when you're listening to people read the Bible, how they read it influences how you think about it. And how you view God influences how you read about it. Is the master angry? Let me demonstrate. Is the master angry in this story? Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down, it's just taking up space in the garden. And Jesus said, how do you read it? The first word I wanted to throw out there just for things to remember today is know. K-N-O-W. Know the Father's heart. The gardener in this story knew the Master's heart. How about we read it like this? Well, let me ask you this. Is God willing that any perish? Does He want anybody to die and leave this earth without Him? No. No, right? That's scriptural. Okay. So, when you apply this to the tree, do you think God wants the tree to die? No. So, in the story, if God is the master, do you think the master wants the tree to die? No. no. So, how about you read it like this? Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. Some of you guys who are young, three years is a pretty short time. Seems long. But when you're 40, 50, 60, 70, three years goes by in a blink, doesn't it? The master had poured out his love and resources on this tree for three years. The gardener had poured out his love and, and the master's resources on this tree for three years. It hasn't bore any fruit. Finally, he comes to the place where it's got to be cut down. But this is a crazy thing. He didn't really want the tree to die. He was disappointed, right? But he didn't rebuke or argue with the gardener when the gardener suggested another plan. And the way I was reading the story, I'm like, wait a minute. Who's in charge here? He says, I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. I think the literal translation is well. Well. Even the structure of that sentence is weird to me. If not, then you can cut it down. 
At some point, why didn't the master say, dude, I'm the boss. You're the servant. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm up here. You're down here. Huh? The master isn't a gardener. That's a good point. I think he didn't rebuke the, the uh, gardener par partially because he agreed with the plan. <coughs> Remember in the Old Testament when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And he's walking down and he says, I'm going to destroy this place because it, the outcry against it's been wicked and people are being hurt and abused and all this bad stuff. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to bring fire. I'm going to investigate it. If it's as bad as they say it is, it's gone. Right? On the way, Abram encounters God. And Abram goes into this, this negotiating deal. God, if you find 50 people in those cities, will you spare it? If you find 40, will you spare it? If you find 30, 20, 10... If you find ten righteous people in that city, will you spare it for the sake of the righteous people? He was pleading for the lives of the righteous. The wicked were the wicked. They chose to live in a bad way. They chose to ignore God and his commandments. They were going to get what was coming to them. But if there were righteous in there, they shouldn't be swept away with the wicked. Right. That was Abram's thinking. And so he talks to God about it. And back and forth, God is like, yes, if, if, I find, if I find 50, I won't do it. If I find 40 righteous people in that city, I won't do it. If I find 30, if I find 20, if I find 10. As I thought about it and prayed about it, I think one of the reasons why he would do that is because he agreed with the plan. Who made Abram? God. Abram had some type of relationship with God up until this point. Who put those seeds and those ideas and those dreams in Abram's heart? And so if the first point I want to make today is the word no, K-N-O-W, know God's heart. Abram knew God's heart, and therefore when he talked to God, he knew that God really didn't want to kill all those people. But he also knew that God was just. And so he stood up and said, maybe God's just run out of patience. And if you read that, he was really careful about how he talked. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> you might end up a black smudge on the earth, you know, instead of standing there as a person. All right, let me change gears here. I see Christ's likeness in the garden, gardener, and this is, this is the type of person that I want to be. He knew the master's heart. Him and the master knew each other. The gardener knew the master's heart. The gardener knew that he didn't want to destroy the tree. He was disappointed. The master was disappointed, and so he was ready to lay the axe to it and give the space to somebody else. But get this. The gardener said that, that what he said, give it one more year. I will. Give it special attention, it says here in, in the New Living Translation. You know what it says in the King James? I will dig it and dung it. <laughs> I will dig it up and I will put fertilizer in there. And let's see what happens. What he's saying to the master is, look, if you give me time, because the time was in control of the master, right? He owned the garden. He decides how long every tree gets. Time was in control of the master. 
Resources coming into that garden were in control of the master as well. He gave them into the hands of the gardener. The gardener had the skill and the willingness. But there was also something else. Any of you guys ever work on a project or something and it seemed like it wasn't going good and then afterwards the time was up and it was done and you just thought to yourself, if I just would have done fill in the blank. If I just could have fill in the blank. It's called regret, I guess is one word. You could label it other things if you want to. In the end, there's that niggling feeling inside of us that says, just would have gave everything. I would have saw something different. Or I might have saw something different. <clears throat> Why is there no end to the story? Well, because the end of the story, even though it was written in heaven, it was not completed on earth. Jesus hadn't died yet. Even though when you read all the way through the Bible, you see the nation of Israel is restored... Not the whole nation, but pieces of it. People in the nation. At the end of the story, God brings them back. That tree that was going to get cut down does bear some fruit. But it wasn't until after the gardener gave everything he had. The gardener is Jesus. He died on a cross. He poured himself out on that cross to make sure that there was a way for every person on this planet to have a relationship with him. It's the heart of the Father. And he wasn't going to lay the axe to the root of an entire nation until he knew that he had done everything possible. As if 4,000 years of bearing with our sin wasn't enough. At least 4,000, right? I'm being conservative. I'm just going to say 4,000. I'm not going to argue about it. The nation of Israel is born, it grows up, it does evil in the sight of the Lord. How many times do you read that in the Old Testament? And again, the nation of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And God has to raise up another nation and spank them. And discipline them and try to get them to come back to where they're supposed to be. Thousands of years this goes on. And still when Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, we haven't tried everything yet. Can you imagine as a parent being in a situation where the only thing that will save a planet is the death of a child? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your child saying, we haven't tried everything yet? I haven't given everything yet. Give me one more year. Let me give everything. And then we'll see what happens. Can you put up Ephesians 3.20? If it's going to work. If not, I'll read it. Oh, there it is. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. What's the next verse? The 21. Does that just pop right up, or do you got to go to that too? To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, forever and ever. 
Does God just barely do what we think he's going to do? Or does he exceed all earthly expectations? From the nation of Israel's perspective at the time of Jesus Christ, they thought God was going to come and save their nation, raise them up to a place of world dominance, and they were going to be in charge. Even though their prophets had written for thousands of years that the Gentiles were going to be part of God's future plan. They just kind of left those parts out. If we're not careful, we do the same thing. Just leave parts out that we don't like. From an earthly perspective, when Jesus came, the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament would involve the raising up of Israel and Israel being awesome and all the other rest of the countries serving them and so on and so forth as an earthly kingdom. When Jesus the Messiah came and he died, he didn't just make the way for Israel. He made the way for every person who would ever live and who had ever lived on this planet to have a relationship with him and be a part of his kingdom. From an earthly expectation, the Israelites had an expectation. Yay! The Messiah is coming and Israel is going to be awesome. Jesus died on a cross and was raised three days later. And Paul starts preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and they're like, ah! What is this? You can't talk to the dirty heathens. You can't bring the dirty heathens into our synagogues. What are you doing? And then God has to start to reveal this master plan that he's had. That from the very beginning, he wanted a nation of chosen people who would love him and follow him and serve him in fiery faith and passion. And believe and trust him for everything. But because we're weak, because we fall, because we stumble, he had to give them the law so the death of blood and bull of bulls and goats temporarily would cleanse people from their sin, but it couldn't cleanse your conscience. It says so in the New Testament, Hebrews. Jesus came, became the one, the only sacrifice. His blood, when it was poured out, did some amazing things. Now when people come to God in the name of Jesus, they get a new heart. Now when people come to God in the name of Jesus, their consciences are clean, sprinkled by the blood. What the blood of bulls and goats could not do because it was short, it was ineffective, and it was earthly and weak, the God of the universe did through his Son and made it happen. You know, the gardener, he knew the master. He promised to dig in. And man, what we know of Jesus, he dug in, didn't he? Walked the road to the cross. Took a beating for us. So it would be to know, to dig, to pour. His blood was poured out on that cross for us. I did something in October 1st. I read a lot of the books of the New Testament in chronological order, at least what was believed to be chronological order, in order that they were written. Do you know it makes you cry when you get to the place where Paul knows that he's going to die and he starts talking about it? 
And when it gets to the place where Peter, who walked on water and saw Jesus changed into the glory of God on that mountain and saw Elijah and Moses all together, when he talks about his death because he knows it's coming. Or to read about John who was banished to an island. He figures he's going to die there. These people were poured out. See, when we come to Jesus, he lets us know him. He wants us to dig into his work. He wants to pour resources into our hands. Money, time, talent, you name it. He gives it all to us. And he wants us to pour it out into his work that he's given us to do. And then he wants us to believe him for the results. I think it was in Romans that, that Paul said, you know, one man watered, one man plants the seed, another one waters, and uh, God brings the increase. We're responsible, right? All right. You guys know how good God is? These very things, knowing, digging, pouring, and believing, have been happening here this year. And they've been happening last year, too. But like I said, I can't talk forever. I summarized some things, okay? I hope you guys enjoy this because I really enjoyed it and it made me cry when I was thinking of it. A lot of things make me cry when I, when I see what God does. <clears throat> Just personal testimonies here. I'll go down the list. Did you know that since January 1st of this year, 23 people that I know of were healed of things here because of God? Could someone say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Did you know I have 14 records of people being promoted in some way, shape, or form because of prayer that was offered up in the goodness of God? Thank you. <laughs> now don't get Catholic on me. <laughs> now make it fun of the Catholics, but don't, don't get religious on me. <clears throat> tell you what, if I tell you something you don't know, just shout hallelujah. It means stretch out your hands or, or raise up, raise, praise Yah. It means praise Yah. Praise God. Okay? Dancing, which I personally pray for. <laughs> I hope it's okay with pastor. I pray for that. I have two testimonies of that. You know, that wasn't in existence for a while here. And God opened up that well in this place. I believe where there's dancing, there's joy. And another well he opened up. Oops. In ancient Israel, they don't have to worry about this stuff. <laughs> flags. Children waving flags. Children dancing. I believe that when children dance, they're leading worship. We prayed for that. We prayed for expressions that we've never seen before to happen. All right, here's some things. 19 testimonies of... People rising up and digging into the work of God. They're all written here in my book. Six testimonies where people really, really went to warfare in intercession and God brought breakthrough for somebody who needed it. Three testimonies of opposition being overcome. Three testimonies of new ministers rising. Healing of cancer, too. Prophetic ministry where people stood up and declared um, prophetic words in the house that I believe. Five. That hasn't happened in a while. Not saying it hasn't happened recently, but 
There was a season where nothing like that was going on, right? People standing up in this house, other people, and giving testimonies that when I went home, I had to write it down. Thirteen. Good reports. Somebody stood up and just gave a good report of something, and I had to go write it down. Eleven. Days where the Spirit of God moved in such a profound way that I was blown away, and I had to go and write it down. Thirteen. During worship. Giving that reached a mark that, that needed to be recorded. Three. Baptisms. Four. And we baptized, what, 17 people here this year? Amen. <laughs> Salvations. I don't have all those recorded. You may think, oh, that's terrible. But for me, I'm a, kind of a pessimist when it comes to that. And here's why. I love it when people come to Jesus and pray to receive Jesus. But too often they vanish and you never see them again. What I love even more than people coming to Jesus and praying to receive Jesus is that they're still seeking God a year after that. That they're still pressing into God five years after that. That 20 years from now, they've risen up and they went from a place in their life. And this is a transformation that happens in believers. This is free. You go from the place in your life where you're a taker, I need help, I need help, I need, I need, I need, I, 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 to all of a sudden you're a giver. And people are coming to you because you represent God on earth because you're an ambassador of his kingdom. And they're saying, help me, I need help. And it's your job to dispense the resources of our Father to the people that need it. You get transformed from a taker to a giver. It's powerful. Okay, i got to get out of my book. Because i got other things I want to say. I had to write these things down too. Too many facts. Too many facts and, and if you want to give God... I'm trying to stir up some praise in here. Does anybody feel like God is good? <laughs> Alright. Let's start with the Mercy Point Ministries Network. Okay, testimonies from this year. Pastor Don was promoted to be the pastor of the whole network. Amen. I know he didn't look at it at the time as something to be, you know, yes. because Here's the thing about us, guys. And it's the thing about many of you, too. It's uncomfortable to be put in the spotlight. Isn't it? You don't want attention. You know, Pastor Appreciation Sunday is awesome, and we do appreciate everything that you guys do. But it's uncomfortable from where I sit. It, I think it's uncomfortable from where Pastor Don sits. I think I know him well enough. You feel weird. You know what I mean? You have to figure out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you feel weird. So anyway, Pastor Don was promoted. Can we praise God for that? That was pathetic. <laughs> that helps. Mercy Point Ministries, okay? These are things we want to talk about and share. Gives a total of over $1,000 a month to foreign missions and church revitalizations. Okay? I'm not giving an exact number. I know it's over $1,000 a month. Okay, in that $1,000 a month, out of that $1,000, Team Haiti for Jesus gets money every month. So when you give money to Mercy Point Ministries, 
Some of that money is going monthly to, to Team Haiti for Jesus. If you want to know how much, talk to them. They'll, they'll talk to you about that. I, put, I, passed, I passed the ball over to Dan, okay? And he's not here. Money goes to the Assemblies of God World Missions. Okay, Team Haiti for Jesus ministers to Haiti. The Assembly of God World Missions shares the gospel in how many countries, maybe? I believe it was 157. 157 countries. Okay. Now, obviously, we're not supporting missionaries to every one of those countries, but the money gets sent to missionaries who are going out to other countries to preach the gospel. All right? And then church revitalizations, and I'm not sure about that. You have talked to Pastor Don about that. Oh, Cuba. I forgot. We, we send money to Cuba, too, every month. Remember that thing we did last year, the missions? Money goes to Cuba. Praise God. You guys in this little tiny church are funding the gospel being preached in foreign lands to the tune of about $1,000 a month. I'm talking to Pastor Don about this. I knew it already, but, you know, because you, you all start to believe the same things. God wants every nation saved. The Great Commission is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of every nation, teach them everything I've commanded you, and behold, I will be with you till the end of the age. This little church in this place is fulfilling its part in the Great Commission. Was there a time you wondered? Elma? Was there a time you wondered? There was, Luis? Was there a time you wondered? Yes. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, okay, that's the network, right? That's all five churches. That's Burville, uh, Edwards, Governor, Watertown, and Pulaski, right? Yes. Let's talk about just Grace Point. These are things that money doesn't go to Mercy Point Ministries. And I'm just going to list them. And if I forget something, forgive me. Because, again, this is all from my perspective. And there's a lot going on in this church. If you don't, just do this for me. If you don't know what I'm saying, just say hallelujah. And then I'll know whether I'm giving you new information or not. Once a month, pastor goes into the prison to serve the inmates there. Once a month, Chuck and Georgia go to the manor at Seneca Hill to serve the residents there. Jeff and Melissa, since the Lord burdened their heart, have been involved in a thing called Feed the Hungry. If you want to find out the impact of that, you've got to talk to them. CareNet this year, we raised how much money to send to CareNet for the Crisis Pregnancy Center? How much? 200 and something? Okay. The backpack giveaway, 150 backpacks stuffed with stuff with New Testaments given away. The estimated cost of that event was paid for by all of you guys. About 1,500 bucks or something like that we figured, right? Yeah. Huh? Who borrowed it? We did. God put it in our hands. He expected us to use it. That's what we did. Uh, the summer fun day. You know, we saw 120, was 100 people in the service that day? Yeah. In here. 97 people in the service. Even though we, we deliberately tried really hard not to manipulate people into saying they had to be at the service in order to get anything. Right. Just throwing that out there. 
Operation Christmas Child at the beginning of the year, you guys raised $900 for shipping. Yes. 100 boxes. While our ministry to Cuba is something that I refer to as a definition thing, I refer to it as an international ministry, meaning that it goes from the U.S. to Cuba. Team Haiti for Jesus is a ministry that goes from the U.S. to Haiti. Operation Christmas Child is what I refer to as a global ministry. They're in approximately 100 and, well, let me throw out this number because I got on their website and looked. 190 million boxes have been given out since they started in like 1995. Wow. 190 million. million. Somebody on the internet said, man, what would a thousand boxes up there look like? Well, it would fill this whole platform probably yeah. about this tall or maybe to the ceiling. I don't know. Yeah. 10,000 would probably fill half of this room. Yeah. 100,000 would certainly fill the entire building, maybe some of the parking lot. One million would probably fill this whole property about this tall, yeah. maybe taller. These boxes go out with a presentation of the gospel in the language of the people that it's being given to. They currently have a discipleship ministry that has eight to nine million children enrolled around the world that want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Our heart is, pastor's heart is, every one of these works that's being done gets maximum funding. Yes. We would actually roll around and praise God. I would roll across that driveway back and forth on those rocks and say hallelujah every time my face goes up. If all these ministries were fully funded times 10 next year. Is that crazy to think about? What's the heart of the father? To bring in the nations into his kingdom, right? Every nation, every person, every child. But it takes people sold out for what they do. The pastor that came here from Cuba was sold out for what he does in Cuba. Dan and Don and their family, Denise, they're sold out for what they do in Haiti. And so if I'm skipping anybody, forgive me. Um, but I will say this. If God chooses not to mention your name today, treasure the hiddenness as long as you can. Give thanks. Because there will come a time when you're going to be standing up here and you're going to know how uncomfortable it is to be talked about or to have people talking about you even when it's good. So treasure the hiddenness if you get to remain hidden. It's, it's a special treasure you have for a little while. Oh, Facebook. When, when we started getting on the Facebook account and trying to push things, there was almost no, there was activity, but people were trying to, I think Janine was in charge of it, or other people were. There was activity. There was activity there. Um, number of followers was around, I think, 40 people. November of last year, we were around 220. This year, as of November, we're at about 260. Those are people that follow what's going on in this little church and draw encouragement from what God is doing here in this little church. Do you realize that if we play a live video right now on Facebook of a live baptism or cardboard testimonies that we showed or Justin's testimony we showed the other night or a video about somebody's testimony of what God has done for them, Typically, those things now, within a week, God has blessed 
to where about 500 people. Randy's testimony is on there too. Although yours, we didn't, you know, we're still learning. So I was in the learning phase with that. We might have to redo that. Typically, when it gets up around 500 people viewing it, one-tenth of those has actually watched the entire thing. Most people are like three, three seconds and they'll decide whether they want to see this or not, right? But one-tenth of them to one-third, somewhere in that range, are going to watch that entire video. Which gave birth to something new that I want to share, and I hope you guys all get to experience this at one point here in this next season of your life. I will read this text. Justin, promise not to judge him for confessing that he was out getting trick-or-treat candy. Okay? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) All right. Let me see. Heather sent it to me. He sends me this on Halloween night. Wait a minute. Where is it? Baby, didn't you send me that picture? Oh, there it is. I got it. All right. This is what Justin says. Halloween night. Just out getting some candy with the kiddos and some random guy comes up and says, hey, man, you've been called for sure. And I was like, what? Question mark. He's like, your testimony online. I don't share the same beliefs as you do, as all, but I watched all 46 minutes of your video. It was captivating, he said. Normally, I'd be watching hunting videos or something about cars or something, but I couldn't stop watching. And then he said, so yeah, that was different and humbling. It's a scary thing to share your story. But the more you share it out there, the more opportunities God is going to bring where you're out there walking around at random, getting the peas out of the frozen vegetable or the vegetable aisle, and somebody's going to come up and say, aren't you the lady that I saw on Facebook telling about how Jesus healed her body? Aren't you the guy that I saw on Facebook testifying that you were terrified of the dark and God delivered you at age 38 years old of an irrational fear of the dark? And you're going to get opportunities to testify of Jesus in that moment. Take advantage of it. Know the Father's heart. Dig into his work. Pour out the resources that he gives you. And believe him for the results. I like statistics. Testimonies have logged almost or over, I think, 20,000 partial views. In the last year, 2,300 through plays. That means that testimonies of what God is doing in people's life from Matt, Justin, Randy, the baptism, the live baptism at uh, um, Lake Ontario. That one was crazy. That was like a two-hour video and thousands of people were watching it. To see God baptizing people in the, in the lake. I'm telling you, saints, the the world around us is hungry for the presence of God. And all we have to do is decide like the gardener to look at it and say, God, give me one more year. None of us knows how long we're going to be here, right? This is your day. This is your time. Take a look at your life. And give everything you can back into God's hands. If he did what he did with just the little bit that we gave in the last 18 months to, since you guys been here. Two years? Two and a half years? In the last two and a half years? Maybe three? 
If he's done this with just the little bit that we've given, what could he do if we gave it all? Jesus gave it all. He didn't stop. Poured out on that cross for us. So that's my exhortation. If you know Jesus today, dig into his work. Pour out the resources that he puts in your hands. Nobody's perfect. Man, I look at my life this last year and I go, God, if I just would have done, if I could have been a little better of a steward of my time, we might have seen more people come to you. If I just would have spoke up one more time, maybe that person's life would be different because you would have come and done something. If I just would have took 10 seconds to pray for that person, maybe you'd have brought heaven to earth and their life would be radically changed. This is the type of stuff that goes through your mind as a child of God. Yes, time is short. Yes, the country's in turmoil. But God didn't put the light of everlasting life inside of us so we could hang on a cliff and wait for him to rescue us. He lit us so that we would be a light in the darkness. Saints, take a look at your lives. And if you're not given all, seriously consider talking to God about that. Saying, God, I want to. So all you got to do is talk to Pastor Don, and I'm sure he can find some way for you to contribute to the global work of sharing the gospel, even if it starts at the foundation level of putting pamphlets in the back of the chairs. Because there's no job in the kingdom that doesn't contribute to the end result. And there's no end result in the kingdom that the people farthest back from the lines don't get the reward. King David started that. If, you're, if you already have Jesus today and you, and you want, if God stirred up something in you, will you stand up with me today? Will you stand up if God stirred your heart and you want to look at your life and you want to decide if you're giving everything to see His kingdom come and His will be done? Just stay in your seats and stand. That's all we're doing we put your hand over your heart Father we stand for you because of the sacrifice of Jesus because of the life of your spirit inside of us we stand for you knows you the way we could but we want to none of us has dug into your work the way we should but we want to none of us has been as faithful with the resources you poured into our hands to bless other people as we should have 
but we want to. And none of us has trusted you for the results the way we should. We put our hands all over everything. We get impatient. But we want to demonstrate what faith looks like. So stir up the fire in us, God. Burn your great commission in our hearts to see disciples made in every nation, starting with the person that's next to us. And burn in us what it means to be a true worshiper in spirit and in truth, loving you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. In the power of your spirit, Father, we pray. And we thank you because all roads lead to you. Father, you're, you're, the, you're the end of the path. Jesus today, and you want to, if that's you, you just raise your hand. That way I can see it, and I know i got to pray for somebody. couple of the ladies that, that know the Lord just gather around her right there please oh maybe that God wants to do something for you and you don't think he's done yet the altar's open you just make your way up there and do whatever you need to do with God if you just want to wait listen to him for, for him to speak you just go for it and if you want prayer just talk to me we'll pray for you you turn that song up a little, Linda? Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have it.
Alright, let me close with this, guys. And, and by no means, if, you're at, if you need to be at the altar, get at the altar. We'll keep playing the music. We don't want to disturb that at all. Okay. Knowing God, at some point we should start to understand His will for ourselves and other people. And believe it or not, some of it's written in black and white, right in His Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. I'll read this, and then uh, we'll pray and close this service. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. Father, I pray today, as we go, that you would fill us with your joy. That we would always be joyful. That you would raise us up to pray more than we have in this last season. And with greater faith. And may we be thankful in everything. It isn't just the perils of the dark that, that seem to knock us away from thankfulness. It's also the perils of prosperity. People walk away from God on the mountaintops just as easily as they, as they walk away in the valley of darkness. As a matter of fact, it might even be easier to walk away when you're on the mountaintop. So whether we're on the mountain, or whether we're in the valley, or whether we're somewhere in between, let our response, Father, be thankfulness to you. In Jesus' name, we have food today, do we? Yes. All right. Father, bless the food in Jesus' name. Pastor, is there anything else you need to say? You know how good God is? How good is He? Praise the Lord. That comes down to your own testimony. How good is God? We all have testimonies. And we certainly have something to say about God, but the true test of how good God is is when we continue to walk in that testimony year after year and continue to grow. That's how good God is. Because He doesn't cut us off at the stump. He sent Jesus to be our intercessor. Jesus, the intercessor. Lord, Father, I know this one. Father, I know that one. Even though we don't deserve it, we may not be producing the fruit that we, that what we have potential to do, but yet Jesus says, Father, I know that one. Give them time. Give them more time. Thank you for coming. We'll be back here on Tuesday. Good News Tuesday. We have a meal, so let's enjoy it. Let's give Pastor Dave a hand on his work today. God bless you. Stay and uh, partake of some food. Amen? Amen. We've had spiritual food. Let's, uh, let's partake of the physical food. God bless you. Thank you for choosing Grace Point today.